are listening to the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, please visit GoCentralChurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Ethan Crowder. Well, I love that we get to partner with uh, the Pregnancy Center here in Sanford. You know, a couple weeks ago, we, we started this series, Who's Your Neighbor? Um, and I can't think of a more vulnerable uh, population than our smallest neighbors. Um, and uh, you know, today is uh, churches all around the country uh, set aside today as Sanctity of Life Sunday. And the reason it's today is because today would have been the 50th anniversary uh, of Roe versus Wade, uh, but by God's grace, uh, Roe versus Wade is dead. Right? It is. Uh, it is gone. Um, but the work isn't over. Right? The, the work isn't over. Uh, there are still uh, women and families in crisis and in need. There are women uh, with unplanned pregnancies, and we still want to come alongside them uh, and serve them in any way that we can. One of the ways we do that is through uh, our support of the Pregnancy Center, uh, through our Four Central Florida ministry, and through some others. But here's what I want you to know. You might be that mom that is here today with an unplanned pregnancy, uh, and y- you might feel like you don't know what to do next or where to turn next, I want you to know that we are here for you. Um, and we love you. We love your baby. We want to help you in any way that we can. Uh, so if that's you, and I would love to talk with you. Uh, we have others in here who would love to talk with you uh, and see how we can come alongside you uh, because we care about you and we care about, uh, about your baby. Uh, well, hey, if you, if you have a Bible, go ahead and meet me in Luke chapter 10. Uh, Luke chapter 10 is where uh, we are going to spend our time together this morning. Uh, We've been in Luke 10 over uh, the last few weeks, and we're going to finish out uh, the chapter today. We're going to look at verses 38 uh, to 42. As you find Luke chapter 10, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, we'll have the verses on the screen uh, for you. But I want to ask you this question. Do you ever wonder why you do the things that you do? Or maybe, do you ever wonder why you do them in the way that you do? Why do you get dressed the way that you do? Why, why, do, you, uh, why do you work the way that you do? Why do you do this the way that you do? I've been asking myself this question over the last couple of days, but really it's kind of revolved around one situation in my life, and it's this. Why do I feel like I need to drive faster than the car next to me? Right? Why, why do I feel like, it was not a race, but why do I feel like I, I need to drive faster than that car? Because uh, here's what I I have found is uh, when I get to that red light, just a few seconds later, uh, that car is pulling up next to me. Now, if you're a law enforcement officer in here this morning, we love you. I'm going to ask you to just turn off what I just said, all right? Uh, You just ignore uh, everything that I just said. Uh, You know who I'm talking to, right? (laughs) Uh, um, But we... We get in this thing, you know, one of the things I've thought about the last couple of days too is, you know, sometimes you're driving down the, down the interstate uh, and you've got cars flying past you and you think, well, I'm doing 80, why, these cars must be doing 110, look at these guys. Well, I'm still speeding, right? But I'm using them to justify my speed, whatever it is. Uh, but here's, here's just what I've kind of come to as I think about that. The reason that I feel the need uh, to get to where I'm going faster, the reason I feel the need to walk faster, whatever it is, uh, is because we are, I am, and I think this is probably true of many of us in here, we are far too busy. Right? We are far too busy. We have any number of things that we need to do, any number of things that we need to accomplish. 
And so because of that, we feel like we constantly have to rush. And maybe as we've stepped into this Who's Your Neighbor series, and we're talking about who your neighbor is and why, why you should love your neighbor, why you should reach out to your neighbor, maybe as you hear this, you think that is one more thing that I have to add to my list. That is one more thing that I have to do. I was already trying to do all of these things, and now you're telling me that I've got to add this to my list. I've got to add this to things that I've got to accomplish and things that I've got to do. Here's what I want you to know. that This series, this study, it's not about being more busy. It's not about giving you one more thing to do. That is not the thing at all. What we are aiming for in this series is that our hearts would look like the heart of Jesus. What we're aiming for is that our lives would reflect the, the love and the grace and the mission that Jesus has left for us. And so as we look here at Luke chapter 10, here at the end of this chapter, we're going to see what Jesus has to say about busyness. You know, uh, Luke kind of narrates this passage for us, and he put this passage in this place uh, intentionally. And so we're going to see what does Jesus have to say uh, about being busy. And as we look at this passage, we're going to see this, that being busy for Jesus is a terrible substitute for being with Jesus. Being busy for Jesus is a terrible substitute for being with Jesus. Look with me here at Luke chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 38. Let me invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's perfect and precious word. Here in Luke chapter 10, the Spirit says to us, starting in verse 38, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is God's word. You can be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy today. Lord, thank you for your word that is true and by which you speak. Father, I pray that we would, we would know your presence this morning. Father, I pray that by knowing you, we would know your will. So Lord, speak to us now. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. As we look here at Luke chapter 10... First, we see this. We see the reason for rest. The reason for rest. You know, we, many of us probably don't need another reason for rest. We're probably busy enough. We can give, I can give you a reason why I need to rest because my week looked like this, my, my week looked like that. Maybe you can do the same things. You know, isn't it interesting that the things that were meant to make us more productive, the things that were meant to take stress of our off of our life, often end up leading to more stress. So email was meant to make us more efficient and productive. But if you're like me, whenever my phone buzzes and I see that it's an email, there's a little part of me that gets anxious, right? Or, or uh, your text messages, texting was supposed to, to relieve some burden, but now some of us drive around with dozens and dozens of unread text messages. Uh, we think about smartphones. Smartphones were meant uh, to make our lives easier, but what they have ended up doing is they've just made them more complex and more difficult. 
We're busy in life and we're busy in every area of life. You're busy at work. We're, we're busy at home. We're, we're busy at school. You're busy at church. But here's the thing. Busyness doesn't mean that you are accomplishing anything. But busyness doesn't mean that you are moving the ball forward on anything. All it means is that you're busy. Now, as we, we read through Luke chapter 10, there, there's a few threads, there, there's a few themes that run through the, this chapter. And one of those themes is this theme of intentionality, that we have to intentionally be praying that the Lord would raise up workers for the harvest. We have to intentionally be serious about loving our neighbor. And then here what we see is that we have to intentionally love our God. In fact, if you were to look back at the passage that we looked at last week in Luke 10, 25 down to verse 37, what you would see is Jesus, he, he shows us through questioning a teacher of the law, what the first and second great commandments are. And then what he does is he goes through and he gives us a, an illustration of the second commandment, loving your neighbor. In the passage we're looking at today with Martha and Mary, he's giving us an illustration of the first great commandment, which is loving your God. So here in verses 38 and 39, uh, Luke sets the scene for us. Look at verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed her into his house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So Luke sets the, the scene here, sets the stage for us. Jesus enters a village. Now Luke doesn't name the village, but he names Martha and Mary. And if you've read the Gospels, then you know that, that Martha and Mary are two well-known characters in the Gospels. Uh, they have a brother, and his, their brother's name is Lazarus, who in John chapter 11, Jesus raises from the dead. Uh, you know, when I think about if I was going to be a character in the Bible, that's what I want. Right? I, want I want the Lazarus that would be raised from the dead, not the Peter who Jesus calls Satan. Right? And so uh, this Mary and Martha, this family, they are, uh, they're a familiar family to us. And Jesus doesn't, or Luke doesn't name the village here, but what we know is that this is the village of Bethany. John tells us that in his gospel, that's where Martha and Mary and Lazarus lived. They lived in Bethany, which was about two miles outside of Jerusalem, where Jesus had really kind of set up shop. He'd kind of made the home base for his ministry. So Jesus walks into this village, walks into this home that's a familiar place for him and his disciples, for him and his followers. And then we meet two characters. Uh, we meet first in verse 38, Martha. Martha welcomes him into her house. And then we also meet Mary in verse 39. Now notice, Mary isn't focused on, uh, on welcoming and hosting. Martha is focused on all of these things that she has to do, all of these things that she has to get ready. But Mary, not so much. Mary's focused on Jesus. She sits down at his feet and she listens to what he says. Now, everything that we have read in these first two verses is completely countercultural, completely uncommon uh, for Jesus' day. And see, in Jesus' day, there is never a time where a rabbi or really any self-respecting Jewish man would walk into the home of two single women. It, it, it was just, he wouldn't have done it. We find Jesus walking into the home, and then he does something else that is equally as staggering. He starts teaching, and he allows Mary to listen to what he's saying. And then as we keep reading, what we find is he invites Martha to come in here as well. 
See, in Jesus' day, it was completely uncommon, completely unheard of uh, for uh, women to be invited in and to hear what the rabbi has to say. Uh, the women were supposed to be uh, helping serve and get things ready and make sure that all of the needs were met uh, while the men were instructed in what the rabbi has to say. But what does Jesus do? Jesus goes to the women and then he invites them, he welcomes them to listen to what he has to say. Uh, see, all through the Gospels, all through Jesus' ministry, all through the Bible, what we have is we have Jesus giving a dignity to women that was unheard of and unknown in their day at the time. Jesus is, is ministering not just around women, he's ministering to women and he's inviting them to play a vital role in the kingdom. This is why uh, our God who controls everything, who is it that finds the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ or finds his tomb empty? It's two women, right? Uh, the, the, the Lord here is teaching us uh, about his plan uh, for women in the kingdom, that they play a vital role. Now we keep going and we, we see that this picture of Mary. Look here at verse 39. She, being Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. See, this picture of Mary really is a picture of what it means to be a disciple. See, the posture of a disciple is about being with Jesus before we do anything for Jesus. Our first responsibility is to be with Jesus. Yeah. We've got to be careful that we don't confuse the order. If, if we believe that we must do before we can be with Jesus, if we think, well, I've got to do something for Jesus before I can go and spend time with Jesus, then what that shows is that we've completely missed the point of the gospel. The point of the gospel is that we can't, but Jesus can. That, that we, we couldn't earn our way into his presence, but instead Jesus has come to us. Now, doing isn't bad. There's much that Jesus calls us to do, but we cannot follow him if we do not know him, and we cannot know him if we are never with him. That's why he invites us to sit and to rest and to know him and to be known by him. See, we've got to love Jesus before we can serve Jesus. You know, the, the best way that we love Jesus isn't first by going and doing all of these things, right? The best way that we love Jesus isn't first by being really involved with the church or by, by being really involved over here, being really involved over there. No, the, the first way that we love Jesus is just by being with him. So the same way with a, a parent and a child. The, the best way for my kids to love me, for me to know that they love me, isn't just simply for them to clean their room, although I think they should. Right? It, it isn't simply uh, that they would, would pick up their toys or that they would do that. The, the best way for my children to love me is to simply want to be with me. Right. Right? To want to spend time with me. So often we think that, well, if... If I'm going to love God, well, I've got to do this for him. Well, no, if you're going to love God, you just got to spend time with him. I wonder, I wonder this. I wonder if we think that for us to prove our love for God, we have to do things for him because we think that the way that God proves his love for us is by doing things for us. 
Right? Do, do we think that we have to do things for God to show that he loves us because we expect him to do those same things in return to prove that he really does love us? But, but what we see in this picture from Martha and Mary is that the way that we love the best, the way that we love first, is by being with Jesus. See, this is the reason why we rest. This is the reason why we sit, so that we can be with Him. We have the reason for us, next we see this, is the, the danger of distraction. The danger of distraction. Distraction can be dangerous. It, it can even be deadly if we are not careful. And here's what makes distraction so dangerous, is we become numb to it. Distraction is dangerous because we don't realize that we've been distracted until it's too late. Or the things we once saw as a distraction no longer are. I'll give you an example of this. 20 years ago, I can remember driving through my hometown, and there was the, the sheriff's department had put a large flashing sign that said, Don't talk and drive. The phone call can wait. Today, we're not warned against talking on cell phones. We're warned against texting, right? Don't text, just make the phone call instead, right? We have grown numb to it. And now with the advent of self-driving cars, it's going to move from don't text and drive to just don't cook and drive, right? Like it text and drive, but just don't cook and drive. Don't, don't change your clothes and drive, whatever. But we grow numb to these things over time, don't we? We grow numb to these distractions. I think one of the greatest distractions in our day today is social media. And the problem is, is we didn't realize we were distracted by it until we were already addicted to it. Right? We didn't realize what role social media was playing until we were already a decade into this thing. And people started raising their hand and say, hey, maybe this isn't a great tool. Maybe this isn't as good as we thought. See, a distraction is dangerous. And a distraction that we become numb to is busyness. We think that if we're busy for Jesus, then he's going to love us. But here's the truth, is that being busy for Jesus is a lousy substitute for being with Jesus. Jesus doesn't need you to be busy for him. Jesus invites you to be with him. He doesn't need you to do all of these things. Here's, here's what some of you need to know. Is that if you stopped everything you were doing today, God's plans wouldn't be threatened at all. Right? We think, well, I've got to, I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. I've got, to, I've got to serve here, and I've got to serve there, and I've got to do this, and, and, and I've got to do that. And, and we forget that we can do all of those things and we can do it all without Jesus. Now, now don't hear me say, all right, you, you should resign from the children's ministry, right? Mary will beat me up if, uh, if, if that's what you take away from here. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, is that if you are serving without being with Jesus, then you've missed the point. If you are serving and you think, well, I'm going to serve, and that's going to prove that I love Jesus, you have approached it all the wrong way. Instead, we're invited to be with Jesus. And as an overflow of that love relationship with Jesus, we go and serve because Jesus has served us. 
We serve His church. We serve His people. We serve in His world because we have been served by the one who created it all. And so we have to be careful that we don't think, well, I'm just going to be busy for Jesus and everything's going to be good. No, that's, that's a terrible substitute. Right? That is a counterfeit relationship. That's not a real relationship. This would be like me telling Anna that, hey, I'm going to scrub the floors. I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to clean the bathroom. I'm even going to hang up laundry, which is my least favorite thing to do. I'm going to hang it all up so that you know that I love you, but don't talk to me. I don't want to spend any time with you. Right? That's, that's ridiculous. We would never say that, but I wonder if we approach our relationship with the Father like that. God, I'm going to do all of these things for you because you need me. But I don't want to hear from you until I need you. In verse 40, Martha's become numb to the fact that in her busyness for Jesus, she had become distracted with serving. Look at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. That word distracted, it's overburdened. She's overburdened with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Now, many of us, we can understand Martha's distraction. She, she had to make the food, right? I, I assume that Jesus and his disciples, they showed up unannounced. So she was busy trying to prepare the food, the, the bread and the water, the wine, whatever it is. And she needed to make sure that she had enough, but not, not too little. She didn't run out of food, but then she, she wanted to make sure she, she didn't have too much food. She needed to make sure that her home was clean. If, if she's like my family, then if we find out people are coming over, the goal is to make it look like an interior designer designed the house and to make it look like we live in the house, but not too much living, you know, like just, just enough so that you know, we live here, but, but not overdo it, right? She's trying to clean up. She's trying to get everything just in order. Jesus sits down. He's talking with his disciples. She looks over. She's trying to clean, trying to get everything ready. She looks over. She's about to ask Mary for help. And where is Mary? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. She's listening to what Jesus has to say. And she's left Martha to just do it all on her own. Some of you right now are saying, Martha, I get it, right? I am a Martha. Some of you are saying, I'm a Martha and I know some Marys, right? <laughs> she realizes that she's doing all of these things alone. See, Martha's problem wasn't that she was preparing. Martha's problem was that she was distracted. She was distracted from seeing Jesus. Luke, the, the way that he writes this, if we dive into the grammar, he writes this in a way, he phrases it to show us that Martha, her words to Jesus, they were not a, Lord, do you, do you see what I'm doing? Can you get Mary to help me? No, she writes it in such a way that what commentators say is that this was an explosive event, that she exploded on Jesus. Now, here's, here's what we need to know. Jesus isn't afraid of our explosions, right? Sometimes that's all we can get out, and Jesus knows. Sometimes we hold it in, but Jesus still knows. But, but Mary goes wrong in two ways. First, she accuses Jesus of not... Martha goes wrong, not Mary. She accuses Jesus 
of not caring that Mary has abandoned her. Jesus, you don't care. You don't care what Mary has done. She's lazy. She, she's not helping at all. She, Mary comes and she's angry. But then there's a second, a second way that, that Martha goes wrong. She commands Jesus to help. Jesus, you don't care. You don't care what I'm doing. Now tell Mary to help. Tell her to get up and get in here and help me. Here's a red flag for our spiritual lives. Commanding Jesus to do anything is evidence that our heart is out of balance. And we, we read this and we think, I would never do that. I would never command Jesus to do something. But I wonder how often, we might not say it the same way Martha did, but I wonder how often we think, we feel in our hearts, Jesus, if you would just do this, all these problems would be gone. Jesus, if, if you would just do this, then, then this thing would be taken care of. Jesus, if you would just give me this, everything would be fine. What we're doing whenever we say those things is we are admitting that we believe that we are better saviors than Jesus. What we're doing is we're saying that, that Jesus, I am wiser than you. And so if you could just get on board with my plan, then everything would go great. Everything would be fine. See, here's Martha's problem. Martha's problem was not that she was busy. Really, her busyness was a fruit of the problem. Here's Martha's problem. Martha's problem was that her self-righteousness was disguised as busyness. Martha did all the work, but Mary just sat and listened. Martha, Martha got everything together, but Mary's just over there listening to Jesus. I would imagine going through Martha's head is, you know what, all of these guys are going to get up and leave, and they're going to say, thank you, Martha and Mary, for what you've done, and Mary doesn't deserve any credit. Mary didn't do anything. See, Martha was so distracted by her own work for Jesus that she missed being with him. For her, it wasn't important that Jesus was with her. What was important was what he needed from her. It wasn't important that Jesus, the high king of heaven, the, the creator of the universe, the one who, who he holds all of creation together, not with his hands, but simply by the words of his mouth. It wasn't enough for her that this Jesus was sitting in her living room. No, for Martha, it was, well, what does Jesus need from me? We, we understand that, though obviously in a different way, even today, Jesus invites you to come and sit with him. Jesus invites you to be known by him. Jesus invites you to be loved by him. See, the danger for us is that we get so wrapped in doing what we think Jesus needs us to do that we miss the point. The goal for the Christian life is being with Jesus, not checking a box. So we think, well, I've got to do this, this, and this, and this. No, that's not the goal. The goal is, is being with Jesus. Well, Ethan, what does this have to do with loving your neighbor? 
What does this have to do with, with answering the question of who's your neighbor? Well, see, here's the thing is that we've got to beware that we don't love our neighbor so that we can check a box. We've got to be careful that we aren't caring for our neighbors so that we can check off what we've done. No, we love our neighbors because we've been with Jesus. We realize that he loves our neighbors and that Jesus is worthy of their love. We've got to realize that Jesus is beautiful, that Jesus is powerful, that, that Jesus is great, and Jesus is strong, and Jesus is mighty. And the only way that we get that, the only way we learn that, the only way we realize that is by being with Jesus. And as we are with Jesus, what happens is that we are propelled, we're driven, we're led to take this Jesus to our neighbors. So you've got the, the reason for rest, the danger of distraction, and then finally the beauty of Jesus. Here's the, the problem with distraction is that often we are distracted by lesser things. We're distracted from valuable things by things that do not matter. We would never say this, but, but I wonder how many of us, you know, I would have read my Bible today, but the three hours of cable news got in the way. You know, I, I would have I gone and started a conversation with my neighbor, but if I did that, I, I wouldn't have had time uh, to play around on social media, and I just can't give that up. Right? I, I would have I spent more time in prayer, but I didn't have time because I, I spent more time working. I spent more time after hours doing this or doing that. We get distracted by lesser things. And ultimately, these are things that do not matter. Now, at this point, Martha has just unloaded. She's just exploded on Jesus. We might expect to find Jesus responding sternly. In fact, if Jesus were like many of us, we might expect to find him responding defensively or sarcastically, but praise God, Jesus isn't like us. Praise God, he's, he's not like you and he's not like me. Instead, look at how he responds in verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Now he repeats her name. This is a rhetorical device, right? He's, he's showing this is a tenderness, this is a care, this is a compassion. Jesus responds to Martha's anger with gentleness. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. See, Jesus goes right to the heart. Martha, you're anxious, you're troubled about all kinds of things. And what he's implying here and what he's about to say in verse 42 is that you are anxious and troubled about things that are not important. I wonder how often you and I are guilty of that. We get anxious and troubled about things that don't really matter. There is no shortage of reasons to be angry today. There's no shortage of reasons to be outraged today. There's no shortage of reasons in your life and in my life to be frustrated. But here, here's the question. Just think over the last week. How many things that you got frustrated by will matter next week? How many things frustrated you that will matter in a few days? Tell me this. Well, don't tell me, but 
How, how, many, how many things did you get frustrated by over the last week that you can't even remember today? We get frustrated and anxious and troubled so oftentimes by things that do not matter and will not matter. And oftentimes it's because those things that frustrate us, they frustrate us because those things are attacking the little kingdoms that we've built for ourselves. See, the things that we get most frustrated about are often the things that matter the least. Verse 42, Jesus says, there's only one thing that's necessary. He says, there's one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. There's one important thing. It's what Mary is focused on. Martha was so busy for Jesus that she missed the good portion, the good thing. And the good thing is Jesus. And here's the thing. All of Jesus is good. Right? All of Jesus is good all of the time. Mary chose the good portion. She's chosen to be with Jesus. That's the point of our salvation, isn't it? The point of our salvation is that we would be with Jesus. Not that we would do more, not that we would try more, not that we would work harder, but that we would be with Jesus. I love that phrase, the good portion. It just paints such a great picture. It's a biblical picture, right? That if you were to go back to the Old Testament, one of the things you would see is that uh, the psalmists say over and over again that the Lord is our portion. But here's what the psalmist also says, is that we are the Lord's portion, right? But, but here, Jesus tells Martha, he says, Mary has chosen the good portion. When I think about the good portion, I think about the foods that I like to eat. Right, that one bite that uh, you would just love to eat over and over and over again. Maybe for you, it's the, the corner brownie out of the pan, right? That like is a little hard. Some of y'all are about to testify, right? I can, I, I can feel it, right? All right, maybe for you, if you've ever been to like a kid's birthday party, every kid there says, I want the corner piece of the cake because that's got icing everywhere, right? I'll tell you what it is for the Crowder boys. Uh, my boys, we go to Chick-fil-A get the same meal every time. Two chicken strips with macaroni and cheese. First thing they do, see what the toy is, right? Typically a book, but it's the Lord's house, so we'll forgive them, right? Then they pull out that macaroni and cheese. They take the lid off, and they start looking for one thing, the burnt part, right? They start looking for that layer of cheese on top of the macaroni and cheese that has been kind of burnt. Some of y'all are shaking your head. You get it, right? And when they find that, it's the same response every time. I got some burnt part. I got the burnt part, right? Now, if you were in you grew up in the house I grew up in and you said, I got the burnt part, that was not a good thing, right? That, that, that was not, they got the burnt part. What they're saying is, I got the good portion. I got the good thing. I got what everyone else wants. What Jesus is saying, he's saying, Martha, I'm not going to tell Mary to get to work because Mary got the good part. She's got the good portion. She's got the portion, Martha, that you should want but don't even know you need. Now, here's the great thing about Jesus. We've already said this. Every part of Jesus is the good part. But think about the way that Jesus satisfies. When we think about being satisfied by other things, we think about getting our fill, 
right? That, that you sit down to a feast, you sit down to a big meal, Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever it may be. You sit down and you start eating these foods and there's almost this feeling like, man, I don't want to get full because I don't want to stop eating, right? Because once I get full, I'm not going to want these foods anymore. But, but Jesus satisfies us in a completely different way. He's the water that we drink and never thirst again. He's the bread of life, and he's the water that we drink and the bread that we eat that always satisfies but never fills us up, right? We always want more. We are always, uh, we get it, and we want more and more of Jesus. This is why John the Baptist says that I must decrease so that he, so that Jesus may increase. Because I want, I need more of Jesus. See, this is where serving begins. This is where loving your neighbor begins. Seeing and enjoying Jesus as beautiful is ultimately what drives us to our neighbors. And what is it that makes Jesus beautiful? Well, what makes Jesus beautiful is that Jesus is beautiful, right? He's glorious. He's, he's perfect. He's flawless. He has never failed. He, he never lets us go. He never lets us down. He is always on time. All of those things. And this God who is so great and so wonderful and so mighty, has what theologians call condescended to us. He has humbled himself to the point of death. He took on our flesh to become like us, but without sin, so that he could die in our place, a sinner's death, so that we could be forgiven. And now all we have to do, all we have to do is to put our faith, our hope, our trust in him. And when we do that, Jesus promises salvation and forgiveness. You might say, Ethan, that's too good to be true. Let me remind you, Jesus is the good portion, right? Jesus is too good to be true, but here's the thing. He is true. Not only is he true, he is the truth. And so when we get this taste of Jesus who is perfect and who is beautiful and who is wonderful in every way, what that does to us is it enlivens our hearts. It enlivens our souls. And then we can't sit on that. We've got to take this Jesus to anyone and to everyone that we can hear. To anyone and everyone that we can get to. To anyone and everyone, beginning with our neighbors. But sometimes we get so busy doing all of these other things that we forget that our neighbors are even there. Sometimes we get so busy doing all of these other things that we forget that we have a neighbor there who needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Lord, save us from our busyness. Casey mentioned earlier that, that we are in this renovation process. You walked in, maybe you're surprised to see the, the tarps hanging or whatever it may be. We're doing all of this, everything that we're doing. We're doing because we want to make more room for our neighbors. We want to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus. This is why last week, if you were here, there, there were those cards. And we encourage you to grab one of those cards and to write your neighbor's name on that card. And uh, we told you to take it home and, and put it somewhere. This week, I've heard multiple stories of one, one of our members, he was able to have a gospel conversation with his neighbor across the street. Another one of our couples, they, they were able to start some conversation with their neighbors, and they're having all of their neighbors over tonight for s'mores. 
heard, heard other stories about people trying to engage their neighbors. And then, you know what? I heard some from some people saying, Ethan, I, I want to I love my neighbors. I want to build these relationships. I want to be able to invite them to Central. I want to be able to invite them to Jesus. But it's really hard. And so we're able to brainstorm about some of those things. So I hope that you took that card and you've been praying for your neighbor. But here's one of the things that I found uh, is so important when it comes to the life of the church. Is that we need to be praying individually. But it's also good and right for us to pray together. And it's also good and right for us to remind one another that we are praying for the same things. And so when you came in this morning, you might have seen the ping pong balls that were out there. And maybe you thought, well, I didn't bring my ping pong paddle today. So I didn't know. Uh, well, here's what those ping pong balls are for. We want you to take, and as you leave, we want you to grab one of those ping pong balls, one of those white ping pong balls. And on that ball, we've got markers out there. We want you to write the name of the neighbor, the coworker, the friend, the family member that you were praying for. I want you to take that ball and towards the back of the lobby, you'll see a kind of a glass cylinder, glass case. I want you to drop that ball in there. And we're not doing this because it's a cute idea, or because it's a fun idea. Or it's not cute. It's not fun. It's not even original to us. But we're doing it because we want every time you come in over the next couple of months for you to be reminded that you are in a place that one is serious about praying but we want you to be reminded that we're praying together for the same thing. We're praying together that we would reach our neighbors, that we would love our neighbors. And we're going to leave those balls out there. We're going to leave that case out there. And you'll, you'll notice that there's not just white, but there's also blue and there's green. See, those are, uh, so whenever you engage your neighbor in a conversation, when, when you are able to invite them to Central, when you're able to show uh, and sh the love of Jesus to them, we want you to take that, uh, that blue one and we want you to drop it in the case to show that God is being faithful. God is opening doors for us to be able to love our neighbors. And then you'll notice the, the green ball. The green ball is there so whenever your neighbor, after you have loved them, you've shown the love of Jesus, you've invited them to come to Jesus, you've invited them to come to church. When they come to church with you, then we want you to grab one of those green ones and drop that green ball in the box. And as we do this, we're, we're going to watch the Lord answer our prayers. We're going we're gonna to be able to celebrate what the Lord is doing among us, what the Lord is doing through us. Now, you, you might be here today and you might be wondering, Ethan, we need to go back to this Jesus that you talked about. This Jesus who is beautiful, I, we need to talk about him. You know, I'm, I'm never, I, I've never put my, my trust in Jesus. What is that all about? Well, the, the good news of the Bible, the good news of the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus is that he has come to make the bad news untrue. See, the bad news is, is that apart from him, separated from him, we all deserve hell. We all deserve punishment. We all deserve an eternity separated from God. But because of Christ and what Jesus did by living a perfect life in our place and dying a sinner's death in our place and rising from the grave three days later, conquering sin and death in our place, that now Jesus took all of our punishment 
so that we could get all of his reward. Jesus took all that we deserved and gave us all that was rightfully his. And so now if we'll come to him by faith and put our hope and our trust in him, what the Bible says is that he is faithful and just to forgive us. So maybe this morning you are here with that weight and you need to experience forgiveness. You need to experience Jesus' grace. But here's what I want you to know. You've come to the right place. So we want to celebrate with you. We want to celebrate all that Jesus is doing in you and through you. And so at the end of this service, we'll have our Next Steps team down front. You can come down, find them, pray with them, talk with them. You, you can walk out these doors and you'll find our Next Steps table there. There will be people there. You can talk with them, uh, pray with them. We, we can even find a, a place you can step off to the side and just talk a little bit more and pray a little bit more. Uh, but the good news of the gospel is this, is that Jesus is always ready to save. Jesus is ready to save you even now. Can I pray for you? Lord, thank you for today. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your goodness. Father, thank you that you have loved us even when we did not deserve it. Father, thank you that you have given us the good portion. You have given us the, the good part. And Father, I pray that we would be reminded constantly of that good portion and that good part. Father, I pray that you would protect us from being busy doing things for you that we miss being with you. Father, I pray that you would draw us over and over and over again back to the cross, back to the gospel, back to Jesus. And as we come back to Jesus, we would be filled up and sent out to go with Jesus to our neighbors and the nations. Father, give us an opportunity this week to, to meet our neighbors to talk with our neighbors, to, to maybe share with our neighbors, to invite our neighbors to come and see what God has done. Father, I pray for those who, that one who maybe they're here today and they need to trust you. Father, I pray that today would be the day that you would invade their heart and that you would save them by your grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at gocentralchurch.org.